Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is August 4th, 2019. This is Tom in the D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me as usual from the Houston Outpost. We are into day nine of training camp. Do I have my counting correctly? Something like that. I think you got your counting correctly. Either way, all about almost two, two work weeks in for training camp. They've already gotten past the Friday night lights portion of training camp. We're starting to see some of these one-on-one battles develop. There are some storylines developing for sure at a training camp now uh, as we inch our way closer towards the first preseason game. Yeah, and you know what? It's, it's just fantasy land, isn't it? It's sort of like going to Disney because there's all, all these storylines – really won't amount to much until we actually start playing real games. Case in point, Ola Adenie exploding this year after, uh, you know, having some, the injury bug last year, but blowing guys off the line and moving, seemingly moving himself up the ladder for uh, edge rush. Yeah. So Ola is one of the interesting training camp storylines every year. You, the fans will kind of latch on to an unknown guy, a low round drafted guy, or an undrafted guy who is turning heads at training camp. I mean, obviously, some of the Steelers' best players of all time were those type of players. Antonio Brown, James Harrison was like that. Ramon Foster, he had kind of a slower ascent. Obviously, so did Harrison. But Ola had a really good first year last year. Um, just looking at pictures of him, by the way, he wears that number ninety two that James Harrison wears, and he, he wore it last year. Again, almost another part of that saga of the Steelers kind of clumsily handling his, his exit, giving away his number immediately. But I remember seeing him in that 92 jersey last year and thinking, why did they let a child play on the Steelers and play outside rusher? Because when you see 92, you're used to seeing a full-grown adult male silverback gorilla inside of that uniform and I just thought that Ola looked a little small last year but he was turning heads because he's a good ferocious pass rusher this year he definitely looks bigger to me I don't know if the weight has gotten up but it looks like he's taken that familiar year one to year two uh maturing um as far as the body goes kind of path um and yeah so when the camp first started he's turning heads also reminds me, by the way, the guy, the most recent guy to do this was Eli Rogers, who really turned a lot of heads in his first year. And then he got injured and missed the whole year and came back really strong the second year. So that's kind of where Ola's at. 
first couple of days of camp, according to the reports, he was dominating, absolutely dominating the second team tackles. He was running with the second team. And then this week, he started to get a play up with the big boys a little bit more. And it sounds like Filer was handling him pretty well. And it's been a little bit of an adjustment uh, for Ola to go against the first team guys. And and I just want to tell everybody out there, like, hey, that's to be expected. This is a small sample size. Uh, I hope that Filer can handle this guy because we're going to want, want Filer to handle Carl Lawson on the Bengals. And it's going to be a lot harder than the guy who hasn't played. So that's good to hear. But you got to hold your horses uh, when it comes to the hype about some of these up-and-coming players. Um, and I don't, I don't say that to diminish what Ola is doing. I just, uh, just looking at the process here. You know, going back to the number, and I know he's not a millionaire, millionaire yet, but when you think about the NFL and the angst over your jersey number, it's just funny. Do you, do you think Ola just walked in innocently and said, hey, yeah. is anybody using that? I don't whenever he was in college. And there, but and there was not a I, thought given to the implications. Not that it had a you know, it wasn't earth shattering, but you're right. I mean, can we let the body cool yeah. down a little bit before we start giving the number and igniting yet another controversy, which didn't come. I mean, it's right. fine. But I, I was really ex- Well, in another way, it's like a Steelers tradition too. The number ninety two is Jason Gilden. So I don't mind giving it to Ola, but you're right. Let, let the body cool down. Well, there is an interesting story. I, you know, I don't want to get excited too quickly, obviously, but in the uh, in the secondary, Cameron Kelly. You know, Sean Davis has had a finger injury, and it has opened the door for this guy. So, Cameron Kelly came from the AAF, where he had been switched to wide receiver. I mean, there 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 are a lot of stories about him lately, really focused on his hands, his ability to catch the ball, just strong hands. As, and has great technique. So he was a DB, played three three DB positions out of San Diego State, uh, cut by the Houston, right, or Dallas, and sure. then ended up in the AAF. So he's really taken advantage of, of the, the open door. Yeah, he has. So when, when I think about that, I just cannot wait to see this guy in the preseason because when I hear – the guy was playing wide receiver recently. He gets cut and goes to the AAF. Oh, that's okay. Some people do slide through the cracks. I mean, hey, the Steelers got Tommy Maddox from the XFL, and it was an upgrade over some of the stuff they had before. No offense to my original favorite player, Cordell Stewart. But when I hear these things about Cameron Kelly, wide receiver, he catches well, it just makes me nervous because it, it was baffling that the Steelers did not draft a safety this year in the draft uh, and, and that they're going into this season really with only like two guys. They got the starters. They got Edmonds and they got Sean Davis, of course. I think Dangerfield is sort of lingering around still, but we've seen enough of Dangerfield on defense to realize he he cannot go in the game and play defense. He is an incredible special teams player. Actually, he can do all right on the defensive side of the ball from a run-stopping standpoint. He can really lay the wood, but he's a liability in pass coverage. And so now we're going with this guy who's a converted wide receiver to play safety instead of you know drafting someone or picking someone up in free agency who's actually played the position and who's had experience at the position. And that's critical for safety because you are the, in a lot of ways, a, the quarterback of the secondary. And your mind has to be able to distinguish what you're seeing. You have to have experience or you have to have elite level athleticism to be able to cover sideline to sideline. And so I get a little nervous when we're taking converted guys. Obviously, Brian Allen, the cornerback, is another guy like that. So you can see the Steelers are really 
really being vocal about the need to catch the interceptions that they've dropped uh, last year, leading the league, such an issue getting interceptions. So I get where they're coming from, trying to find athletes who can catch the ball, but I just need to make sure they're in the right place to catch the ball in the first place. Let me clarify what I was saying. At San Diego State, the three positions he played were slot corner, boundary corner, and free safety. He, he didn't play wide receiver in college. He had nine interceptions and 15 pass deflections. So he moves on to Dallas. He's a local Texas guy. Uh, Dallas cuts him, and then he goes to AAF, where they converted him to wide receiver. So he he played part of you know, not even a season in AAF as wide receiver. What did they play? One game, two games? Sure, yeah. Okay. So he his training is a is a DB. So that's positive. It is interesting though that he he got the the nod in front of Jordan Dangerfield when Sean Davis yeah. went down. Well, honestly, actually, the, when you put it like that, he played corner. He played all positions in the secondary in college, and then he goes to the AAF. Yeah. Usually, when we talk about secondary members, you cannot put them at receiver. I mean, like even Devin Hester and Deion Sanders two of the greatest NFL players, greatest athletes ever, only could have a limited amount of success at receiver. And usually, you know, you got the Ike Taylor syndrome. They can't can't catch. That's why they're playing defense. So they can't catch consistently. So that's almost a nod to how good his ball skills are um, for the AAF coaches to put him at wide receiver. But, I mean, I, I think just at the end of the day, this circles back to one thing. The Steelers coaches are very aware of the need to get interceptions and turnovers in the secondary. I think Kevin Colbert, I don't know if it was Colbert, Tomlin, I think it was I think it was Tomlin, but one of the coaches said this past week that the performance in the secondary did not match the performance of the front seven. They said the front seven was one of the better front sevens in the league. They got a ton of pressure. Obviously, they've been at the the very top of the league in terms of sacks over the past 2 years. Um and so they pointed that out like, hey, the front seven was doing their job. You sh- when you see these numbers from your front seven, usually that correlates to having interceptions in the back end. Yet we did not have those interceptions. So we need to find people who can get them. So I see where they're coming from there. They've been trying for years. When they drafted Senquiz Golson, that was the reason why they drafted him, Gerard Holloman. They've been trying to get these interceptions for years. Hopefully we'll see an uptick in that. Well, I want, can I rewind back to Adinier and sure. basically the, the edge rusher, the news that um, Anthony Chicolo just had four bone spurs removed from his foot, and they were described as the size of shrimp. So this guy signed a two-year, $8 million extension this year, and we were all scratching our heads about that, wondering what they saw. But I wonder how much of his game was inhibited by, I mean, bone spurs on your foot? Well, I think and apparently this is a lifelong pro- or at least a problem from college where he developed them. And every time he rolls his ankle, which apparently you do once a game, yeah. uh, it exacerbates the problem. So I, I'm just interested to see if they're if he's able to to increase his intensity or, you know, his effectiveness. It's just about consistency for him. He's never going to be a guy who's going to like all of a sudden become a starting pass rusher. That's just he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have that level of talent or athleticism, but he is a fantastic special teams player and a guy who I feel great about as a depth player. Like this is, this is why the Steelers are exciting this year because they, well, at least at a lot of positions have some depth. I think in order to win the Super Bowl, you look at the Patriots model, of course, taking out the fact that they have the greatest coach of all time, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. They have depth. 
They manipulate their salary cap so that they don't pay overpay guys. Obviously, there's an exception for New England because they like their superstars like Gronk and Brady take less money than they would take comparatively on another team. But at the end of the day, part of why they've done so well is when one guy goes down, they have someone to fill in uh, their roster. And that's where mo- their money gets spread out. And they have depth. Chicolo is a guy who I feel great about if he has to start one or two games, if Bud or TJ misses a game here or there. It's not like – I'm trying to remember a recent, recent – uh, incident of where you know the Steelers have had to well I mean all the times they went to the playoffs and had to sign random running backs like Ben Tate or when Fitzgerald Toussaint fumbled against the Broncos he was the fourth string running back at the time he's a practice squad guy right so that's what I like about Chicklow I agree he could be more effective he's not going to become James Harrison or anything like that but it's exciting to have a dude who has been on the team he understands the defense he has a ton of energy if you see any of the videos he's one of the most active kind of funny hype guys on the Steelers team. So he brings a lot. Yeah, he's rabid. He's a crazy boy. You need that. He's obviously a crazy boy. He's got shrimp in his feet, and he's still out there playing NFL football. But um, that's that's, uh, good to hear. They're hopefully treating this stuff, but it's exciting to have some depth there. There are a couple positions where you got to worry. Tight end and safety are the big ones, obviously, and then still big question mark at kicker. But otherwise, the Steelers got got, – Plenty of receivers. They got running backs. They've got offensive linemen. They have edge rushers this year. It's a good place to be. Corners, too. Speaking of running backs, what was a really interesting matchup, and that's all we've been hearing about for the last two weeks, is uh, Benny Snell against Devin Bush in backs on backers. And uh, I guess Tomlin's been just picking them out. One bone, two, two dogs, one bone. It's a classic tried and true football strategy. And you hear about this a lot, especially with young players, especially with rookies. So you have the star sort of savior rookie draft pick, a lot of pressure on Devin Bush to man that inside linebacker position for the Steelers. Then you get Benny Snell, sort of a mid-round running back, uh, a mid-round pick running back who's super tough and incredible obviously incredibly eager to prove himself he's been very vocal about that so he's matched those guys up every day making them go one-on-one and backs and backers there's a great clip of Devin Bush absolutely trucking Benny Snell and on one of these reps put him on his back and got to the quarterback easily on the next rep Benny Snell held him away from the quarterback he did a good job so they are having a great back and forth I don't know how chippy it's gotten so far I predict it will get chippy I think still like coaches, football coaches do this on purpose. They want to make you almost go insane having to go against the same guy all the time. So you can get those tempers to flare up a little bit. And it it, can you come back down to earth at that point or whatever? I actually remember when I was in high school, I ended up also playing uh, cornerback my senior year. And we had a really good wide receivers and defensive backs coach named. Bryce Moss, Randy Moss's cousin, right? It's crazy. He was an awesome player at our high school, and he played uh, college football at Syracuse. And this dude, I mean, he got screwed with quarterbacks in that era of Syracuse football. But I remember he used to be throwing to him after practice just for fun or during practice, and this guy had NFL receiver written all over him. He could jump 14 feet in the air. It was outrageous. But he made me uh, – when, when I was going through this transition to started to play more cornerback – he made me go against uh, my buddy, Matt McLaughlin, 
the Irish corner. This dude uh, could squat, squat, you know, three times his body weight. He was the main cornerback on the team, just a total spark plug, athletic beast. And we went against each other for four weeks straight. Did, didn't allow us to go against any other players, just me and Matt hitting each other helmet to helmet before the CTE studies came out over and over and over again. It was an iron sharpening iron situation. And honestly, by the end of it, we just, you're just ready for anything because I don't know something about it. There's something mental. He's a very good player. I found, you know, that was uh, didn't do so poorly myself either, and it, it just kind of raises this level of competition. And I see, uh, <laughs> I, see I'm, I definitely got concussed from those things. Let's be honest. It looks like Bush and Snell might be be able to avoid some of that, but it's an interesting way to breed competition on a team, on on your own team, and you need that. You need guys wanting to be the best in order to keep improving. So I like seeing what they're doing. Bush and Snell are both standing out. It really does sound like Devin Bush is starting to make a name for himself. It seems like every time we read a recap on the team periods, Devin Bush has a pass breakup. Like every day, he's starting to get there. So that's really exciting. Again, we're still really early. Can't wait to see the preseason games. Do you remember Ryan Shazier's first preseason game? Because I do. You don't? No. It was against Buffalo. I think he had like, I mean, I know he had an interception, an incredible, he had like 17 tackles and an interception where he high pointed the ball and jumped and grabbed it out of the middle of the field. That's a lot of pressure for Devin Bush to stand up to that. But that was incredibly exciting when Shazier did that for the fan base and you realize, oh, this guy's going to be a superstar. So I can't wait to see Bush in a real game, but apparently he's been heating up already just nine days into practice. Just a level set between you and me. If your middle name wasn't the same as my middle name, I wouldn't remember that either. So let's not be asking me about memory. memory questions. Interesting. Pointing out the, the one-on-one, we moved from the rookies to the seniors. And there was a little one-on-one skirmish between uh, Alejandro Villanueva and Cam Hayward this week. Out of- Over one of their favorite, movie, uh, their favorite uh, Netflix shows. I think that was a joke. But um- – yeah, I, I agree with you for different reasons, but I, I would not have put these two. But I guess they have hit each other 3,000 times in training camps up till now. Yeah, so you see this happen in on, on teams. Like I said, you sort of drive each other crazy by having to hit the same damn guy every single week. You get really excited to go hit somebody in a different uniform after a while. But Hayward and Villanueva are like the two mature elder statesmen. Uh, Reserved isn't the word for them. Like, I don't know, stately? They're both like, they're very together. They're very intense on the field. It's not, they're not meek by any means, but they're just uh, in control of their emotions. I could see it, you know, Marquise Pouncey, He's a guy, he's mature, he knows what he's doing, but he's got an edge to him. And he, he starts crap with people kind of on purpose to give the Steelers an edge. So I could see him getting in a skirmish, but I find it hilarious that those two guys, Villanueva and Hayward, got in a fight. Villanueva did say that the fight was over uh, the two players opposing views of the Game of Thrones finale. I don't know how you can have opposing views. They, they ruined that last season of the show but either way he's he's just funny to see them be able to joke about it so quickly and i take it as a positive because when you see two captains essentially i know villanueva isn't technically a captain but he more or less is he 
fought for America and has played well and on the Steelers thus so far. When you see those guys getting in a in a dust up, it just I don't know. I think that it shows that they care and that there's an intensity there and you might lack that on some teams like the Steelers who have had uh, – these guys have been there forever. You could see how this could become routine at a certain point for them. But no, it seems like they care even more than ever. And I like to see that intensity and I want to see that level of competition at, at camp because you see obviously these two guys can turn it off once they get off the field. It's not like tearing the team apart or anything. How much do you want to bet these guys set this up before practice? Oh, the fix is in. I don't know if I bet on that, but if I did, I bet on my bookie. It's hard to believe, but football is almost back. The NFL preseason kicks off with the Hall of Fame game. It actually already did that. Anything Burgundy sees on that prompter, he will read my bookie. I guess that's my curse. Anyways, it's time to make an account at the best online sports book known to man. That's right. I'm talking about my bookie. Sports betting is exploding in popularity. If you want to get in on the action with the trusted company that's been in business for years, MyBookie is the place for you. With an easy, no-hassle mobile site, 24-7 customer service, and bets on every sport and prop imaginable, MyBookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. Maybe you think that Drew Brees and the Saints will get their revenge for that terrible blown call. Nobody cares. Maybe you think that Tom Brady, nobody cares. Maybe you want to bet on the Steelman winning the Super Bowl. Well, you can do it at MyBookie. And if you deposit now, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. 5-0, that's right. You put in $100, they'll give you $50. You put in $1,000, they'll give you $500. It's that easy. Football weekends are the best. But they're even more thrilling when every touchdown can win you more money. So go to mybookie.ag and sign up today with promo code OUTPOST25. At mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Speaking of veterans, you notice uh, how many guys are sitting out and for how many days they're sitting out, the training camp practices. Was it two years ago where Ben actually had a scheduled vacation in the middle of training camp? Went to Bermuda it, for a few days just to. It, it wasn't training camp. It was uh, OTAs, I think. But he's, <laughs> uh, you know, I was listening to Kazura, maybe Tony Serino uh, this morning as I'm walking the dog. And uh, he was talking about Josh Dobbs throwing over somebody's head and then walked out and spent, you know, I think reset the play and is giving Dobbs a lot of advice. I mean, which is sort of counter to what we've heard. In the past, especially when Mason Rudolph first came to the team. So those rumors belie the actual events and how Ben's trying to uh, support the right. understudies. The, the understudies, nice. I think, yeah, it's, I mean, here it is. I feel like there's two camps of people. There's the, the camps of, there's the national media, which almost entirely is just out to trash Ben. That That's a fact. I know there might be other fan bases who say that about their quarterback it's clearly not as close with any other quarterback as Ben Roethlisberger and there's other reasons for that like we always say you know early career controversies and stuff like that but uh people have made up their mind on him so there's one one camp of people who try to nitpick everything Ben does and try and call him a bad leader and then you see other people do the exact same thing that Ben does and and they don't get called a bad leader and then there's other people in Pittsburgh that see a story like this where he helps Josh Dobbs out and then they try to spend Ben's actually a great leader, and all of this is propaganda. We both know that it's it's somewhere in between, right? I mean, he, he does have moments where you're just kind of baffled on, on, on just things that he says that not only are reflect sort of maybe questionable leadership, but it's also 
just strategically for your own brand, you're making it difficult on yourself, man. I mean, just still to this day, the fact that he even suggested that Antonio Brown should have ran his route flatter on the one yard line. And he threw that interception that honestly, the Broncos got lucky. They called the right coverage. The nose tackle backed up. He bent through it right to the guy. He caught it. There's no way in the world AB could have ran his route flat enough to get there before the, the nose tackle got it. So that's one of those things where it's just this awareness. That's like, Ben, why don't you just say, I can't believe I threw that pick. You know, that sucked. Don't you don't need to bring AB's name into there. That that's and then conversely, AB, you don't need to cry your way out of Pittsburgh just because you said that one thing, right? But clearly, Ben, you know, he's out there helping teammates and and he was helping Josh Dobbs the other day, and that's cool because he knows that Josh Dobbs has a zero percent chance of supplanting him as a starter at any point in his life. Because Josh Dobbs throws two interceptions a day, even when you're in training camp. But I guess uh, going back to the original point that we are resting the veterans and I think you and I had this offline conversation about many of these guys have been together for over five years, especially offensive line. Um, Ben, clearly. Yeah, the nucleus there. I mean, I guess Ben like kind of has like a two days on, one day off type of scenario and Foster and Pouncey are in a similar area. And yeah, you see a lot of these veterans get a lot of days off. Obviously, TJ Watt, we don't know the extent of his injury. I mean, he still hasn't really played, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should be a little bit more alarmed about that. Maybe it's not as... I know. It was, keep it what was it? A, sure. uh, a ham? A hamstring? Yeah. Hamstring. I think he had a hamstring you in the first, one of the first... Though. Jeez, of course you do. Yes, of course you do. But the question is, uh, well. On the, the, I mean, the minute he got to training camp, right? Yeah, what's striking to me is when you hear about the uh, drills and you hear about Dobbs and Rudolph, just so inconsistent. They never said anything about Ben. It's, it's, they never say anything about Ben having a poor practice. Uh, I don't, probably because he isn't and he's like, how much more practice do I need? There's only so much in the right. tank. I have to pre- preserve it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and I a hundred percent agree with that. I love that they give these guys Hayward's another one who they give give days off to because look, we've seen the Steelers seasons get tanked before when they lose Marquise Pouncey or Sean Sweesham at the very beginning of the year, and then it causes huge problems. And I think that you're lucky with the Steelers that there's guys who have played a long time and played a long time together. You know, with the exception of Joe Hayden, but Joe Hayden's a pro's pro. And so I don't think that they need quite as many reps as Devin Bush obviously would need or or maybe even, you know, Sean Davis or guys who have been on the team uh, before, but uh, they, they need to get their units to gel a little bit more. The Steelers are lucky where they've had this nucleus together. So be careful with the health, right? It's a It's a longevity deal with these guys. So I like that they're holding them out. Also at that Friday night, uh, Friday night lights practice. They had other guys like Juju and DeCastro, some other star players who were in uniform, in pads, ready to practice, but they held them out because the field was wet and the conditions were a little bit risky. I love that move. I, if Juju and DeCastro miss one practice, that makes a 0.0 difference on how the year is going to go. But you are putting them at a higher risk for injury if they do play. I mean, look at A.J. Green got injured. He's out for at least eight weeks for the Bengals because they played on a crappy field made out of rocks in Dayton, Ohio, because the because the NFL wanted them to play in Dayton because Dayton originally had an NFL team, and it's the 100th season 
uh, 100th NFL season this year and say, oh, it'd be great if you played in Dayton. Well, you played on a field where the conditions weren't ideal. And now the Bengals season's kind of screwed, in my opinion. I know they'll be too far behind the eight ball. So anyways, all I'm trying to say is you see a lot of reports about Steelers players taking days off here or there. And it can be a little disappointing when you're you're looking for some action. You want to hear how are Ben and Juju doing? How's, how's Bush doing against James Conner in one-on-ones? And then you see that, oh, they weren't playing. But I, uh, I 100% agree with the tactic. The Steelers do hit hard. Uh, they're one of the more physical teams in training camp and practice. So they, you get that element when they do play, and then they're being careful and learning from the past uh, in, in terms of making sure that there's some longevity for the health and the bodies of these, these old geezers who the Steelers uh, have leading the team. We have some. We got some new information this week regarding an interview that Mike Tomlin did with. Is it Jeremy Fowler? Yes, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. We we talked about that uh, interview a week or two ago, but Jeremy Fowler put out a tweet with some extra footage from the interview that wasn't released originally. So, I mean, there's a question, and he had this interview. Uh, Tomlin was on with um, Stephen A. and a, a panel, and it was also asked, "What do you think about uh, who's going to have a more difficult time with Odell Beckham Jr." The Steelers or the Browns, and you know they had this sort of play confrontation. The the uh, question being is, uh, Ob <laughs> Odell going to be a problem in the locker room? But I think geez. I like what Mike said. He said, you know, it's not like we there's tons of talent out there. He's not the only guy we face it every week. But then there was a little something extra in the tweet. Yeah, he didn't just say that we play great guys every week. He did a fake yawn to. Jeremy in the middle of ask of Jeremy asking like how are you guys going to deal with Odell Beckham Jr. Are you scared? And he yawns. It's a fake yawn in the middle, basically saying like, "Listen, we've played a lot of great players over the years, and we've had to we've had to deal with them, and this is part of our job." I was like, "Man, we might have undersold how controversial." That ESPN interview was the other day. And I know some of you might be at home listening to the podcast, tearing your hair out, saying that, like, oh, maybe we're part of the problem, saying that's controversial. It's not controversial. These are – this is like – this isn't crazy stuff. This is the NFL uh, making a bigger deal out of what people say in the offseason. But guess what, guys? We're not crazy because these things do end up on ESPN, especially when it comes to Roethlisberger or, you know, back at, when they have Brown. Like – these things are stories, whether we like them or not. So I'm almost surprised that that, didn't, that this didn't get um, brought up a little bit more over the weekend. But I, I'll say this: Mike Tomlin has been a little bit more brash than usual in this preseason. This isn't the first or second comment he's had like this. He's had a couple, and of course, now that I'm on the spot, I'm having trouble drawing up some of the recent quotes he's had. Damn. Well, he said they were asking but, about – I don't know. This was in the last two weeks, I think. They were on ESPN. They were asking about Randy Feetner and saying, well, Feetner, you know, was, um, new, to the, new to the coordinator spot. And Mike goes, he's been here for a dozen years. He's been the wide receiver coach, quarterback coach. He hasn't been delivering pizza. I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a quilt machine. We talked about that the other week too. And hey, I will say this. He's right. The Steelers have had to deal with some big weapons before, but really they haven't dealt with anything like an elite quarterback and maybe the most talented wide receiver of all time before. We've had to deal with AJ Green for years. So that's a, that's a big time NFL receiver, but he had um, Andy Dalton throwing to him. This is something that the Steelers have never seen before. This is what the Steelers have done to the rest of the AFC North for a long time with Ben throwing to AB and even Ben throwing to 
Wallace or Heinz Ward to to a lesser extent before that. We've never had to deal with an elite quarterback throwing to an elite receiver. So I don't think it's much to yawn about, but I do like the response. And he's right. I mean, this is football. It doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't uh, Steelers didn't win a single Super Bowl with that combination. So that doesn't mean that you can't crown the Browns right away, but it's going to be hard. I guess the point is we complain about boring interviews and then we complain it's pointing out like he can't give away the the game plan, but that, that was pretty good. He does have a sense of humor and especially with his, the turn of a phrase yeah, it makes amazing. it more interesting. I just wish I could hear the whole interview. Uh, rewinding back to Ben, um, he had, he had a comment with, where did you pick that up? I don't remember who interviewed him. It was, I just seen it all over Twitter. Uh, I can find it if you guys want, but it's another example of my favorite player putting his foot in his mouth again. He tries to send these like sort of subtle, passive aggressive comments through the media as if he's sort of gaming the system. But really what happens is it's like, I'm telling you, Ben, ESPN is looking for a reason to drag you. They cannot wait. So this is not going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. He said in an interview, and, and maybe we should find that to, to, to credit the person. I don't know if you can find it, Deb, but um, he said in an interview yeah, that he went home and his, the other day and his wife asked him how practice went. And he said, you know what? I think that I just – I feel like I love football again. I feel like I'm falling in love with football again. There's just something different about this year. And, and then my wife smiled and she said that that made her really happy. Like what, what is the reason for that, dude? Like on two fronts, that's a weird move because one – it seems like a pretty clear indication that why would you love it this year? What's different about this year? You have the identical team. You're getting the identical place. You're back in the same fence. And what's one thing that's missing? Oh, right. Antonio Brown's gone and Le'Veon Bell's gone. And I guess, you know, Antonio Brown, you know, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes at training camp time last year. The drama hadn't really uh, popped up yet. There were signs with the weird interviews AB was giving. So who knows what he was like in 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 the locker room but obviously the media circus around will he won't he show up for Le'Veon Bell was going around but I don't know what you want to say it just seems like a passive aggressive shot trying to say that like oh well the, the problems are gone so now I feel great and l- like I said you know Ben's my favorite player especially you know that AB's gone but uh I gotta call it like I see it with him and say hey man you you have had a lot to do with those issues as well. So don't pretend like everything's fine. It almost scares me a little bit like he hasn't learned his lesson as much as maybe we we think he should in terms of just you know being account- accountable and stuff like that. And then secondly, people give him crap for the retirement talk, which only happened one time, by the way. And it was a passive-aggressive move that, by the way, worked really well. Todd Haley did need to get out. The offense did improve. They became the best red zone offense in the last 10 years, 15 years or whatever it was. And Todd Haley immediately gets fired from Cleveland. And when he gets fired from Cleveland, their offense takes off. So, yes, Todd Haley had to go. Plus, nobody can get along with him anywhere. So cut him some slack there. But people give Ben more crap than he deserves for the retirement thing. They say, like, oh, it's like Brett Favre. Every year they're wondering if Ben comes back or not. That happened one time. (laughs) The very next year – Right when the Steelers lost to the Jaguars in the playoffs to end their season, first thing Ben did is interviewed in the locker room, said, I'm coming back next year. And then this year, same thing. Well, it looks like the line's coming back. I'm coming back. There's no wiffle waffing with retirement. Okay? So, but when you make a comment like this, it sort of could get lumped into that. Like, I love football. Again. Okay, I'm re-energized. I do want to play. It sounds sort of far, man. It just seems unnecessary to me. 
I'm reading less into this and taking it for for face value. This was an interview with Mike Pursuto at Steelers.com. And he said, I don't know. I just know that I'm loving football. I'm really enjoying being out there and having fun doing it. And then followed up with, if there's an issue with anything at practice or whatever, let's just talk and get it out there because then you can move on quicker and you can actually mend things and become closer by doing that. I do feel like even even if you consider the Juju, not Juju, Le'Veon did not play last year, it still was a major distraction and it didn't feel like everybody was all in. And it, it just seems like everything True. we've heard so far from people coming, everybody coming to OTAs, except for the um, um, DeCastro, the father. DeCastro with Jeez. the baby excuse. Everybody shows up to OTAs. This is a. Uh, you know, all the stories out of training camp seems like everybody's all in. I could see why he'd say something like that without targeting anybody in particular. Well, I I like the way you put that. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, I, I uh, didn't remember the second part of that quote, like what you were just saying about people being on the same page and the fact that uh, basically he said, we try to, if there's any issues, we try to tackle them right away instead of letting them grow and fester. And that actually goes directly against what I was saying. It, that really is learning from your mistakes because, like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, Antonio Brown uh, leaving out of Pittsburgh, there are multiple people at fault with that. But that is 90% Antonio Brown being overly sensitive or, or, or overly self-involved, right? But Ben could learn maybe from some of that experience. Maybe he could have addressed some of these issues a little bit more head on or something like that. So I, I like hearing that, that full quote. Now, I know that the, the part of the quote that gets circulated was the one that I referred to, that oh, I just love football again. And that's what gets picked up on PFT or, or wherever else. And they'll cut off the end of the quote as media is want to do. Is that the proper use of that word? As media is want to do? Yeah, well, anyways. But that is, that is encouraging. That does sound like uh, he's – not only learned a little bit from last year, but he, there's a reason why he's saying that in public, the whole thing about dealing with issues as they pop up, because he's demonstrating, hey, I get it. Yeah, I need to improve a little bit on that. So that's encouraging. So the, the, the story that we alluded to earlier is the, the, comp, the quarterback competition. Right. And there are actually three guys, and I know the third guy isn't going to yeah. hang, but um, he's, he's put some good tape together. Bucky Hodges. Just – just choose him. He's got the best name. I mean, come on. Bubby Brister, we had him for a little while. And then you could have Bucky Hodges as the backup. Sign me up. No, okay, so nobody's playing well. That's what's happening with these backup quarterbacks. I guess Hodges had a few days where he was kind of the number one guy, and then he crashed, which was unbelievably disappointed. If that's the number one guy when you – used draft picks, relatively high draft picks to acquire Rudolph and Dobbs and Hodges was out playing them. Then he crashed back down to earth like a guy named Bucky Hodges would. Um, Rudolph has been generally probably the best guy so far. I would hope that would be the case. I'm disappointed that he isn't head and shoulders the best guy. The Steelers claiming that they had a first round grade on him uh, when they drafted him, which worries the living hell out of me because if you're the only team in the league that had that first-round grade on him, he got passed up over and over again. It's looking like, I don't know, we're, I'm not going to put out any judgment of his playing career just yet. We're still a couple days into his second training camp, but if you really thought he was a first-rounder, he should have separated himself from this pack. The only thing that stands in common is that Josh Dobbs has never been the best guy, and he throws interceptions left and right, and I just – 
I don't know. Maybe I, I think I'm too hard on him on this podcast in terms of the the fervor in which I speak of my frustration with him. But I don't think my opinion of him is is incorrect. This guy is not a guy I can trust for any stretch of time playing backup quarterback for the Steelers. But you really want to see Mason Rudolph edge his way to the front of the pack, hopefully over the course of the preseason. So let's keep our eye on it. It is still early. So cancel your Friday evening. We're finally going to watch some football, some real football. The Steelers take on the Buccaneers at home this Friday, 730 Eastern. So I am already getting prepared with uh, multiple screens, stocking the yep. refrigerator, mm-hmm. making sure there's ink in the pen. Can't wait. Should be good to get a look at some of these guys on the field. It's not a real problem for me since Fridays are non-existent for me after 7 o'clock at this age. So it, this will be fine for me. You, know, you might have a little more of a problem. Yeah, Friday nights have changed for me. Yeah, a little bit more, but not quite as much as a few years ago. Because, you know, we have priorities now. I mean, the people need the pen, and we got the pen in hand. Are, is there anybody in specific that you are really excited about seeing besides the obvious? Of, uh, obviously, we all want to see Devin Bush. But, I, you know, to your credit, you've kept me on the Cameron Kelly stories. I'm definitely interested in, in seeing how he does. I can't, I can't pick anybody up. I mean, we're, we're excited to see everything, right? I mean, and, and we know this will devolve into a yeah. boring AAF Unwatchable. game. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I expect to see some flashes from the guys who don't belong out there. And I, what I'm saying is, is Bush, right? I mean, we he has to play, of course, but he should be a man right. among boys out there. And that's one thing yep. we'll be looking for. And not definitely oh, looking at quarterbacks, just for grins to see how that shakes out. I'll say this. I want to see Chris Boswell in a game day uniform kicking on television. I know there's no pressure in this game, but to him, I mean, it was a disaster where he left off of. Um, although, hey, we did he did beat the Patriots on a game-winning kick. That's a nice little way to, to, to end through the season there. But uh, I like to see him, you know, in the full black and gold game day uniform, going through your game day routine, kicking under the lights on television, at Heinz Field, maybe he can start gaining some of that confidence back in the preseason. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have something to talk about next week, as we always do. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Follow Nick. And uh, leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.